0: listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. When the official Obama portraits were unveiled at the National Portrait Gallery earlier this year, it set off a wave of discussion we don't typically have all the time in this country, a conversation about fine art. And for a few days, we wrestled together with some big questions about what constitutes good art or fair representation. In America, those questions hit harder in African-American circles because of the history of imagery and depiction that has at times mocked black people, demeaned black culture, and stripped African-Americans of their right to self-identity. But not everyone immediately understands why it's different. Why African-American portraiture, for instance, is different than it is for white people. Dr. Mary Schmidt Campbell is the president of Spelman College, but is also a fine arts scholar and dean emerita of the Tisch School of Arts and associate provost for the arts at New York University. She is going to be the keynote speaker at a conference next week called Black Portraitures for the Color of Science at Harvard University. She joins us now in studio to talk about imagery, possession, identity, and race. Dr. Campbell, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Good to be
0: here. Yes. Let's, let's start with uh, your reactions to the Obama portraits. Uh, when they were uh, unveiled uh, recently, I, I, you were one of the people I thought of as uh, someone whose re- reaction to those I really wanted to hear, uh, and uh, we couldn't get you into the show at that point. But, but I'm really anxious to, to, to hear how you see these images and what you think we are to take from them.
1: Well, you know, I I think one of the most interesting things about Barack Obama as president is that he had a real consciousness about how he wanted to present himself visually. Yes. And during his campaign, you may recall, he was the only candidate uh, in his first uh, campaign who actually had a videographer who followed him everywhere mm-hmm. and then at the end of the day their team would assemble a group of images and just recirculate them through social media so he's always had this incredible consciousness of how he was presenting himself you know having written his two autobiographies he had a narrative a, a written narrative mm-hmm. and a visual narrative that he was very conscious of and so his his portrait Uh, The Kehinde Wiley portrait is um, really a kind of marriage between Obama's own um, sense of himself and Kehinde's very um, assertive and very uh, personal and distinctive uh, stylistic take on Obama, which makes it, I think, an incredibly dynamic uh,
2: piece of work. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and what about the portrait of the first lady?
1: The portrait of the first lady um, is is just breathtaking, and and the, the image for me that says everything about it is the little two year old girl who um, stops in front of it, and it's clearly you know <laughs> it is <it has laughs> Bolt her over. Right. Um, but but I, I thought what was interesting about what what Cheryl did is that she she to have neutralized the background completely and to have allowed this powerful figure of of Michelle Obama to just kind of almost surge through the forefront of the of the picture plane i think says everything about the force of personality mm-hmm. of her subject
0: mhm mhm uh, and so when you think of these two images and Uh, put them when we when they were unveiled we had a conversation about how they fit into the context of presidential portraiture and presidential portraiture history Uh, but I also think it's important to put them into the context of african-american portraiture and african-american portraiture history Uh, can, can you spend a little time talking about how they fit into into that world
1: well I, I think i you know I actually think of them less as fitting into the world of african American portraiture and more fitting into the world of portraiture of um monarchs and this is a terrible <laughs> thing to say because they were not monarchical oh, at right, all right. but in fact, there is something quite regal about them and and this huh. whole the whole lineage of portraiture of um important people historically, um, is 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 where I think both Wiley and Sherald have deliberately taken them. It's almost as if they've deliberately taken them out of just an American or just a Western context, hmm. and they place them in a much bigger context of what it means to have um, carried the weight of their uh, roles uh, in the world in general, and that's what I, I think was really smart about the way they um, they uh, completed these portraits. As if they they don't exist in a one particular time or space, uh-huh. they exist in this incredibly universal time and space.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Dr. Mary Schmidt Campbell. She's the president of Spelman College and a fine arts scholar. We are talking about black portraiture, the history of black portraiture, uh, its future, its present, uh, and we're talking about it in specific right now about the Obama portraits, which were unveiled at the National Portrait Gallery in Washington earlier this year. If you want to join the conversation, uh, give us a call. Let us know what you think about black portraiture, about the idea of identity and portraiture in American history, uh, and the Obama portraits in particular, how you feel they might fit into that history. Uh, as always, the number on the phones is 313 1019 That's 313 1019 You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or go to Twitter, and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work your comments into the conversation. Uh, so as I said in the open, uh, Dr. Campbell, you are giving a keynote address next week at uh, Harvard for the Black Portraitures 4 uh, conference. Uh, uh, the, the title is Black Portraiture, The Color of Silence. Can you talk about uh, that title and, and what you're getting at there?
1: Well, that's, that's the title of the conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, the title of my keynote speech is Terms of the Debate, the Battle for Black Bodies. Okay. Yeah. And the, um, the argument that I make is that at, at uh, since emancipation, since we laid claim to citizenship, uh, there has been a, a, a barrage of images that have been designed to derail and to... Um, belittle Mm -hmm. our claim to citizenship. Mm -hmm. And it's come in the form of uh, parodies and satires, uh, political parodies and satires. It's come in the form of advertisements that mock uh, black people... Our whole history of cinema that's, you know, the first blockbuster was Birth of a Nation, was yes. a total de- <laughs> de- totally demeaning uh, portraiture of, of black people and their role in the United States. Mm-hmm. It came in the form of the images, the photographs of lynching. That people circulated yes. of African Americans as, enter- as entertainment,
0: as entertainment,
1: as entertainment. Uh, as right. entertainment. So it, it is, and and it, it was all part of a strategy to argue that we didn't deserve citizenship. So we deserved to have Jim Crow laws, and we deserved separatism, and we deserved not to have voting rights. Uh, and the visual images were part of the argument that was made. Uh-huh. And and as you look at that argument, what you also see is that the uh, resistance that uh, black culture waged against those images really was the source of some incredibly inventive and innovative expressions of visual culture. Um, if you look at uh, the theater, uh, Broadway mm-hmm. theater that black people created in the early 20th century, or the cabaret scene in the early 20th century, mm-hmm. or people like Josephine Baker, who emerged in a way that was audacious yes. and um, <laughs> defiant of uh, these these visual images. Yes. You begin to see the, the real force of creativity and imagination that responded back to these efforts to uh, assault our claims on citizenship.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and much of that, uh, much of that pushback, that that sort of uh, effort to to claim more of that space for ourselves unfolds uh, in Harlem, uh, in in, in uh, during the, re- the the Harlem Renaissance. Uh, and a lot of your work has sort of focused on uh, that space as well. Talk a, talk a little about that.
1: Sure. So the the you know as the migration took place, as as black people moved out of the south to the north, you know Harlem became the center, the cultural center mm-hmm. for uh, for black people, wor- virtually worldwide. And so the Harlem Renaissance was the first effort, but the real the real push for uh, that 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 created an an alternative narrative or a narrative of resistance came during the Depression, when the um, through Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal, black artists had access Mm -hmm. to public funding for the arts through the Works Projects Administration, WPA, WPA. that's right. And uh, that allowed uh, people like Jacob Lawrence and uh, Norman Lewis and Bob Blackburn, uh, Gordon Parks and others to, to have the time and support to create a body of work. And uh, that's when Romare Bearden, though he mm-hmm. was not on the WPA, mm-hmm. that's when Romare Bearden was active as well.
0: And, and you are working on a biography, I believe, of uh, Romare Bearden. Is that yes, right? yeah. it,
1: it will come out uh, in September of this year.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's take a quick call uh, before we get to, to break here. Uh, Tim, Tim in Detroit, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Hi, uh, uh, Professor, could you comment on
0: the recent uh, I- admitting by National Geographic that the images for the last century plus about black people worldwide has been negative and then possibly the influence of the Black Panther uh, movie on our images. Wow.
1: Wow. You know, yeah, go ahead, uh, Dr. Schmidt. I love that. I love that question. Um, I I thought it was pretty extraordinary that National Geographic um, confessed so yes. to speak uh-huh. Uh-huh. because I do think that what they said is absolutely true, and if you look at um, mass media, you look at advertisements, you look at you know just about anything that represents mainstream culture, what they 're saying is that there was a concerted effort to manufacture images that demean black people
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and that, and I think it's pretty extraordinary that a major publication would would um, finally. <laughs> admit, <laughs> right. admit, it's been a admit long time. <laughs> at, at the same time, I think Black Panther is a real, real triumph. Um, it was uh, created uh, by an overwhelmingly black creative team, the director, the production designer, the costume designer, obviously the actors. It was co-written by um, um, a, a black, uh, black writer, even mm-hmm. though it is based on the Marvel Comics hero. But I think more importantly than just the film itself is the story it tells, and that is of a a, a people who have had to fight
2: mm-hmm.
1: and over and over again to maintain their authentic culture, um, and I think it's a great it's a great story, and now are at the point of trying to decide um, whether or not they're going to risk what they have saved to save another. Black everyone culture. else right yes right yeah, yeah. so um, <clears throat> i really so i think it <clears throat> excuse me mm-hmm. in addition to being a really entertaining movie i think it's a very meaningful movie at movie at this point in time
0: yeah uh, I, i'm curious about the crossover between so so your work is mostly in the space of fine arts uh, the, these are examples of sort of popular uh, conventional Art, I guess Uh, Black Panther uh, National Geographic Uh, is is there a difference in the way that uh, black possession and self-identity have expressed themselves in those two different spaces
1: so you know it's interesting when I when I um, in in doing the biography of Romy Bearden what I found is that I had to turn to popular culture I looked at cinema Uh I looked at theater and then I, what I discovered is that at later in life, as a mature artist, he, in fact, collaborated with any number of artists, with musicians, writers, theater artists, dancers. So, so in fact, I think it is um, a false boundary to put up a, a, a wall between fine art hmm. and popular culture. In a certain way, uh, popular culture is not edited by anybody it, it's, it really is an expression of what people want, what they desire, what they need. So when you have a fine artist that makes a, a really extraordinary collaboration with popular culture, I think you get something very powerful. Yeah.
0: Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Mary Schmidt Campbell, president of Spelman College, about black portraiture, black imagery, and self-identity. Stay with us on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Dr. Mary Schmidt Campbell. She's the president of Spelman College, also a fine art scholar. We are talking about the idea of black portraiture and Imagery, uh, how it relates to self identity and possession in American history. Uh, Doctor uh, Doctor Schmidt Campbell is going to next week be at Harvard uh, at a Black Portraiture Conference, giving a talk that is titled uh, "Terms of the Debate: The Battle for the Black Body, Nineteenth Century to the Present." Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us what you think of depictions of African Americans over. Uh, American history. Tell us what you think about uh, modern iterations of black representation. We were talking in the previous segment about the unveiling of the Obama portraits. Uh, very different iterations of black imagery uh, and expression. Uh, as always, on the phones, the number is three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. That's three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter. And hashtag Detroit Today will work you into the conversation. Let's go to Dolores in Detroit. Dolores, welcome to Detroit Today.
2: Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I had to take a minute before I was running out the door to mention uh, (laughs) my sister, artist Lane, who has uh, actually, I heard his name mentioned, Uh he he mentioned, he talked about her in his book Uh because she was such an inspiration. And she has done... Uh, She has a portrait of uh, Rosa Parks in in the Smithsonian. She did uh, Mary McLeod, McLeod, excuse me, so Truth, who was unveiled by uh, Michelle Obama Mm -hmm. a few Mm -hmm. years ago. And uh, she's so well-known around Detroit. She did all the well-known... Detroit uh, families, the Chryslers, the Fords, and she did George yeah. Romney, and I could go on and on. Oprah Winfrey, huh. uh, <laughs> Nelson Mandela, just on and on, and she really needs to have her name put out there, and Detroit has been the home of wonderful portrait sure. artists, Leroy yeah. Foster and mm-hmm. uh, Carl Owens, and my sister came up with those people doing work as well. I had to talk about Detroit, too.
0: Yeah, uh, great, uh, great information there, Dolores, I'm really mm-hmm. glad you called. Uh, uh, and, and shared that with us. Uh,
2: I think ahead, Dolor- I think Perman. Dolores's
1: comment may, raises a really important point. Um, there are so many artists that um, about whom we 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 don't hear enough. Mm-hmm. Um, there hasn't been enough research done. There hasn't been enough visibility of those artists that we already have. And um, having the portraits of um, the first lady and President Ob- Obama so visibly present. Um, provokes that kind of curiosity about other portrait artists that I think are, are going to be uh, really necessary in order for us to have a full um, history. I mean, part part of the part of the reason why these demeaning images g- gain such um, so much presence is because so much of what we have created in in reaction to it is not. Uh, publicly available or is not widely circulated or widely known. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, we've got about uh, three minutes left, but I, I wanted to talk to you a little about the amount of time you spent in New York uh, in in the art scene there and, and becoming an expert really on, on the history of Of art there, and now being in Atlanta uh, as as president of Spelman, uh, I'm wondering if you've sort of thought much about the difference between uh, the northern expression of uh, black portraiture and black self identity and what you see there in the South.
1: You know, it's so interesting. If you look at the biographies of um, many black artists, what you'll find is almost all of them have uh, a southern heritage. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's mm-hmm. certainly true of Bearden. He was he was born in, in Charlotte. Um, Hale Woodruff wa- wasn't born in the South, but of course he created uh, the first uh, major art deba- department um, at a black college at Atlanta University Center, and his murals are still, his magnificent murals, are still here um, on the Clark Atlanta University uh, campus and mm-hmm. in one of the uh, churches. Uh, and as well, uh one of his murals are at the High Museum that was originally at the uh uh Talladega. And of course Hale eventually went to New York to become chair of the NYU department. But, you know, Aaron Douglas was chair of the uh Department of Art at Fisk. Um and it's it, it's it is um you know, you look at an artist like Sam Gilliam who has southern roots. I mean it's just you the uh, Mel Edwards is from Texas. I mean the the, the truth of the matter is our Southern heritage ha- is an incredibly deep and rich heritage that informs um, so much of black culture in general, not just the fine arts. Yeah. So, so what, in fact, you see, you see all the connections. You see how where, where things, where, uh, where the origins... Uh, where they come from. Where right? they come from. Um, yeah. So it's actually been a wonderful... It's been wonderful to come down here in the South and, and discover so much more of the heritage.
0: Is there is there more of a struggle still in the South to to claim that identity because that's where it was originally stripped?
1: No, I, actually, I think maybe quite the contrary. I mean, I think there is an ease and comfort with um, talking about black culture in the South mm-hmm. and perhaps there is in the North. Mm-hmm. Um, or I would say maybe not more, but at least... Um, in its own terms, right? Um, and 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 so I don't I, and and in fact, so many artists are still down here working. We just did a show of Beverly Buchanan, she the late Beverly Buchanan, um, who uh, was working down here and who derived her imagery uh, from uh, the homes that she knew and grew up with right. um, down you know, down here. So. So I, 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 I think there's, a as I said, I, what I'm experiencing more are connections rather than mm. differences.
0: Yeah. Okay. Dr. Mary Schmidt Campbell, president of Spelman College, uh, is giving uh, the keynote speak at the Black Portraiture's 4 conference at Harvard on March 22nd. Thank you very much for Thank you. joining us. Thank you. That's going to do it for us this week on Detroit Today. I'll be back on Monday. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you next week.